Are we part of the dumbest generation in years? Well, wait till you hear my shocking stat. It's coming up in just a couple of minutes. But first, I've got Stephen Todd. Money Talks features literally the top people uh, in the investment analysis field. Very proud of the list of guests that we have. Stephen Todd is one of them who has been numerous times a Timer's Digest Timer of the Year in the stocks, but also in bonds, also in gold. Uh, his services for both short-term traders and conservative investors, and I'll get to that in just a second. But I want to come to the bond market slash interest rates right now, Stephen. Um, you know, all the debate is whether the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates in September. Uh, that seems to be the market focus. Um, are you? Do you come down on a yes or no on that yet? Uh, they, I think they want to raise interest rates. They don't want to keep making the same mistake that they've made for years. I think they perhaps are coming around to recognizing the harm they're doing to the economy. The, you know, savers, senior citizens, and so forth can't make anything on their on their savings accounts. But on the other hand, they've they've made it very easy for this profligate government of ours to go from ten trillion in debt to eighteen and a half trillion in debt. And what's going to happen when rates do begin to normalize? Normalize, and we have to refinance that debt at higher rates. I think the Fed's going to hit the fire. So I think they really want to, and, and, and they, of course, they they shouldn't have done what they've done already. But hopefully, they will start raising rates. I'll come down on the side of yes, they will. will start these minuscule rate increases in September. And do you think the market has anticipated that, or would you expect if they do indeed follow through, you'll get uh, that'll be part of the backdrop you were suggesting, where we get really choppy markets uh, into October, and that would sort of produce sort of a, a bit of a scare. I think a lot of that has been discounted, and you know, a quarter point rate increase, if that's what they do, is hardly mm-hmm. uh, Armageddon for the market. So I'm not too concerned about that. There is a psychological reaction, but those those reactions only last a very short term, like a day or two. Once it happens, little knee jerk reaction on a high wire, and then it does what it wants to do. Beyond that, I just don't see 25 uh, quarter point rate making uh, you know causing the galaxy to explode. Uh, does, do you think that will also signal sort of the low in the bond market? Because, you know, that's that's obviously been in a major, the major bull market, you know, is what's been happening in bonds. Uh, do you think that will sort of for you trigger, uh, okay, the low or rather the high in bonds, low in rates, but the high in bonds is in? I think there's a good chance of that. I, I've been thinking the bond market was peaking out since it started this bull market in 1982, uh, but it keeps on going higher. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people think that it's uh, risk-free because the government's, the U.S. government's behind it, but it's not risk-free from a market standpoint. You can lose money in bonds very nicely, and I think once some of these uh, crises begin to dissipate, you'll see the bond market start to come down. But right now I'm on a buy signal just based on the chart. I have to Hey, it's uh, it's mm-hmm. right now. It's positive, although I don't think that's going to last too much longer. Uh, another big issue for us in Canada, of course, has been the fall in the loonie. We've watched it go from par just over. Well, I guess it's about two and a half years ago now to you know that seventy-five cent mark. But it's all about the U.S. dollar. And so, what are you thinking for the U.S. dollar? Well, right now I'm on a buy on a buy for the dollar. Uh, but again, that's based strictly on the chart pattern. I, I just uh, 
at some point, I think people are going to be, begin to, to question our entire economic approach where, you know, we're shipping jobs overseas to China. You know, people are, that used to work in factories or, or, you know, they're working as baristas at Starbucks, that type of thing. At some point, I think that's going to cause problems for the dollar. But right now, just a rise in interest rates probably is, is uh, going to help it to some degree. Uh, let's let's come back and finish off here with both talking about short term and long term. Uh, as I say, your service addresses both. Uh, whether you're talking to the longer term uh, person, the conservative investor, and you talk about mutual funds then and exchange traded funds, and you also go timing for the short term trader. Uh, let's talk about the conservative investor for a moment. Uh, just again, sum up what you think they should be uh, dealing with. Well, I think. They should be invested in the stock market unless you know unless they're in their sixties or seventies or something like that then it, there's but but somebody in their twenties or thirties I believe they should be invested in the stock market because over time it has gone uh, uh up very well uh, I think something like nine and a half percent uh annual rate of return with along with uh, the dividend since uh nineteen thirty something like that so I think the the stock market should go up. From here, we're having a little bit of a pullback now. We've been up six years in a row, so there's a little bit of a, uh, of a need for some sort of correction. But I think the I think the stock market has still got some good things ahead of it. And and any asset class, or did you say no matter what, stay away from it, or or maybe that's too strong, but the risk reward just isn't there. I don't deal in I, I deal in the general market. I yeah. I look at the SPY. Uh, which is an ETF for the S&P 500, and I look at the SSO, which is, is a double ETF, and I just basically find that that's all I can handle as far as getting involved with different sectors and that type of thing. Every well, I'm thinking I- more in terms of, uh, you know, obviously uh, oil might be, I know that's a, a specific, but, uh, you know, stay out of the commodity sector, stay out of the bonds right now, or, or start getting more conservative in that kind of side. Well, oil is quite a is quite a story here. I, I I'm basically bullish on oil right now, uh, based on a uh, again on chart patterns. I think it had a mm-hmm. really nice uh, rally, and of course they're not making oil anymore. So that would end, that would be on the bullish case. On the other hand, the fracking is becoming much more efficient, and we're getting a lot more oil out on the out on the uh, out on the general market. And if we ever change administrations in Washington, I think we're going to unloose the uh, unleash the uh, the oil bulls here. So as far as uh, going out and, and looking for oil, so I, I think that I, I would not buy oil. Let me just put it this way: for uh, unless you're really a speculator, I'd stay away from a lot of these things. I'm talking with Stephen Todd. You can find his service at toddmarketforecast.com. T-O-D-D, though. Toddmarketforecast.com, as I say. Uh, he, he does it every day, it, both for short-term traders, that kind of stuff, but also for conservative investors. He's talking about that. Uh, Stephen, as usual, we much appreciate you finding time for us here on Money Talks. Uh, always great to talk with you. I, I really appreciate your having me, Mike. Could I just give my phone number? It's oh, please, yeah. And I will uh, give you, your listeners to your show a 25% discount from our regular rate if they just identify themselves as listeners to Money Talks. Uh, I want to give that number again. So that's 909-338-8354. Yes. Perfect. That's Stephen Todd, Todd Market Forecast. Many thanks. Thank you, Michael. Time now for this week's shocking stat of the week. 
Are we the dumbest generation in history? Well, looks like the SAT scores are sort of at least suggesting that's the case in the last 40 years. Remember, SATs are what uh, students write if they want to get into a U.S. college. Well, the scores are the worst they've been in the last 40 years. All three major sections of the test have gone down. And this is an appropriate thing to chat about because, as I said at the top of the hour, we've got one one million nine hundred plus thousand, nearly two million students returning to university this year. But it's the lowest score. The math, for example, was the lowest score since 1999. The reading score is the worst it was since 1972, according to the data that was just provided by the College Board. So you got the math the worst since 99, the reading the worst since 72, and the overall uh, scores uh, for the writing section, well, they're not quite as bad, but it's been 10 years since we dropped this low. But cumulatively, I think it's the worst in 40 years. As I say, we're starting uh, classes on Tuesday for both public school and post-secondary are getting going and people are registering and choosing their courses and they'll start the week after. But I thought that was an amazing and shocking stat. I don't know what explains it, but the worst entrance exam scores in 40 years. Hey, by the way, coming up, by the way, I've got Ozzy Jurek. He's going to talk about this one category of real estate that if you're looking for real estate, a home, and it always, hey, that seems less expensive than the market. We'll talk about that category and why. Victor Dare's going to join me live from the trading desk. He has been active this week. I'll find out exactly what he's been trading, what he sees coming. I've got a great goofy award for you still all coming your way. But just a quick reminder, hey, if you go to moneytalks.net, you can re-listen to any of the interviews that we feature on Money Talks. Secondly, you can get the daily business comment, and I challenge you to do that because uh, we need a different conversation. What is well, That's the big message I'm certainly getting out of the federal election campaign. They think you're an idiot, and they're suggesting that it's business as usual. Well, I delve into some of those talk- it's, I, uh, topics. I've been absolutely overwhelmed by the number of really erroneous and misleading statements. So get that at moneytalks.net. Stay with me coming up. Ozzy Jurek and some hot properties you should look at. Coming up on Money Talks, we've got some of the biggest names in the business. I've got Mark Faber coming on next week with me. I've got Jim Dines coming on a couple of weeks out. Martin Armstrong's going to join me. Gary Schilling's going to join me. The list is a long one of the top people in finance, and you should make a habit of joining us. And by the way, you can listen to Money Talks anytime. Get used to the podcast. I'm a big podcast kind of guy. Load it up. Just go to iTunes, you go to moneytalks.net, either one you can listen anytime you want. And as we come into the school year here, I can't implore you enough to get your kids, your nephews, your nieces, young people should listen here because they are not getting this education uh, both at K-12 and unless they're in specific um, subjects at the post-secondary level, they're still not getting it, and it is essential that they do. Joining me now on the line, I've got Ozzy Jurek. Uh, Ozzy, a couple things I want to get. One is going to be actually related to something I know you're doing. You've got coming up on, uh, what, September 26th. So we've got a few weeks out yet, about three, four weeks out. But you're going to do your Outlook conference coming for the following year, Outlook 2016. 
And I know you got a tons of speakers. You got some coming up from the states, but obviously you're going to be looking at the market going forward. And I'm sitting here looking at Vancouver and Toronto with these incredible rises continuing in single-family homes. Vancouver, I think, it was up 17 percent last month. Toronto up 10 percent. You know, compared to a year earlier. Yeah, and that is what makes the market so confusing, and that's why we have this enormous interest already in our conference. I can't believe that next year it'll be our 25th year, quarter quarter century. I'm getting old. But anyways, when you look around the, the market the activity, the single-family home is the winner right across the country. But particularly, if you take Vancouver and Toronto out of the equation, the rest of the country hasn't nearly seen this kind of price increases. So it'll be interesting to segmentize it all and look forward to each individual markets because real estate is local in nature and has local influences. Well, I want to come to something here that, you know, lots of people looking uh, entry level, obviously, and there's there's been a big discrepancy. For example, you mentioned the Vancouver markets, the same in Toronto is between the upper end of the market's been moving. The single detached has been moving, but it's still not quite as bad in the condo side. We don't seem to see the same sort of broad based price increases. But it's still expensive. And there's one category, though, and I keep getting asked about this. Uh, People are asking about co-ops. Why? Because when you look through the listings, you find that the co-op seems to be significantly less expensive than what's called a strata. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it today. I mean, first of all, very quickly, what are the differences? You know, when someone says, hey, I'm buying a strata, I'm buying a co-op. Yeah, essentially a co-op, the residents buy a share that's allocated to a particularly apartment in a co-op building, but the building is owned by the co-op society. And there are two kinds. The first is a profit one, and the other one is a non-profit one. And the non-profit building is usually sponsored by the government through loans. In fact, some 30 years ago, that was very popular. But the income restrictions, and you're supposed to give back the profit. The interesting thing is that most of the subsidies will run out by 2020. It'll be interesting to see what happens to them. But I'm, and I think we have our purpose, we're interested in the profit ones, because that style of ownership it's not that popular here, but we have over 300 co-ops uh, in Vancouver. Um, in New York, every condo is a co-op. Even if you spend $3 million on a, a Manhattan apartment, it's a co-op. Or Singapore, everything is some kind of a co-op on leased land. So you have, a, you have it quite, a, quite a con- along the world, all over the world. They're quite popular. But a co-op then is you're basically getting a share of the overall building that designates a specific unit. You know, exactly. but uh, yeah, okay, as opposed to a strata where, no, you are buying that unit. You do have shared costs, and, and that's what your, your monthly fees would be, but you still own that specific unit as opposed to a portion of the building. That's the essential difference because it yeah. also has then some consequences. In a strata, you, 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 you have responsibilities to the council, but in a co-op, the people that are in charge of the co-op, they can even have the right to reject the prospective buyer to mm-hmm. the unit. So, yeah. so there's a big difference. It's like join, you, they can say you can't join this club or not. Same kind of uh, ownership things, though. Uh, you know, when you talk about if there's a problem with the roof, for example, you've got a proportion to pay really either one, whether you're strat or co-op. Exactly. And that... Uh, that makes it different because if I don't need rentals, I don't need to rent it out, I don't have any pets, and I don't don't have any children, and believe it or not, that's likely going to be a restriction in a co-op. But if I don't have that, some of these buildings, you know, they are located in really fine locations like Mm -hmm. Kelsdale or the West End or or throughout throughout the city. And so once you understand you may need 35% down the 
The bank generally doesn't like them. I think right now the only bank who will finance them is HSBC, and then the, the credit unions uh, will finance them. You might have a mortgage rate that's a little higher, one one and a half percent. But if all of that doesn't bother you, hey, they're a lot cheaper, and some buyers may even like the restrictions. You know, they don't want any uh, tenants in the building. To give yeah. you a quick example, in Carisdale, there's a 670 square foot unit. It's on a 265,000. If that was a starter, it would be well over 400. In Burnaby, there's a 660 square foot unit at 150,000. So there are, yeah. the price differences are there. And also, they don't participate in the escalation in the same way. This is for people who are looking for a place to live. And as you say, they don't mind if there's some restrictions, like no rental or no children or no pets. They don't mind that the sort of co-op board has the right to refuse them. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So The old story is that a New York co-op even refused Ronald Reagan. You know, they had that power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and as you say, some may like it, but they look. But, but that's essentially the difference. People should know that when they're looking out in the marketplace. That's why those buildings uh, generally sell for less money than if you own the particular unit called Strata in your building. What about some hot properties? Yeah, well, we have a, a duplex in, in uh, Kimberley. It's uh, right on the hill, up and down, four bathrooms, five bedrooms, two hot tubs, fully furnished, 100 yards from the quad, and it's on at 445000 Then we have a lot in Secret Cove. It's the last lot with a full private dock and deep water moorage on at 498000 So those are hot properties today. And you can get that by going to juroc.com. Just click on the hot property button. And once again, uh, we're talking, I'll get a chance to chat about this uh, later, but September 26th, Ozzy's got his big Outlook conference uh, there talking about all sorts of stuff, whether it's the U.S., whether it's uh, different parts of Canada, whether it's an investment piece, or whether you're looking for a home kind of approach. Uh, and just remember that uh, the Money, Talk, Money Talks has a special price here because it's $97 to attend, but for the next week or so we can get you in there two for $97 so you pay you can bring someone for free there that's go to juroc.com and right there there's a button called Outlook 2016 so go ahead and do that or you can just give them a call at 604-683-1111 604-683-1111 hey that was a pretty good ad eh Ozzy I think I've got a future in the business oh absolutely and lunch is on me there you go. Ozzy Jerk, just go to juroc.com. Look at the hot property, but lots of other great information there. I'm going to take a break. Victor Dare is waiting live from the trading desk. Two weeks ago, Victor was a cash kind of guy. I think he's been active this week. I'm going to ask him what he's been doing and what he's looking for coming up. Plus, I've got a Goofy Award. All of that's coming before we're done today on the Chorus Radio Network. Goofy award for you. Right now, though, I'm going live to the trading desk. Check out what Victor Adair's been up to this week. Vic, a couple of weeks ago, you were sharing with us that you were so cashed uh, rich at that point. I mean, you weren't in the me- in the market. So I got to know what trade you made this week. You had to be active. Uh, yeah, I was, I was doing some things this week, Mike. Uh, I mean, I could make it really simple. I could say I am now short crude oil. I'm short gold. I'm short the American stock market. And I'm short the Canadian dollar. These are all new positions I put on this past week. And uh, there was a number of other trades that I wished I would have got on, but I uh, just didn't get around to it. Well, give me, give me, give me one of those. <laughs> well, uh, the Australian dollar. I mean, here's the fun of it. You know, I work on Vancouver Island for my home office. My son's in our downtown office. 
He's been short the, Canadian, the Australian dollar for the past couple of months here, making money hand over fist, and he's making the old man look bad. So, um, you know, I had to get going again. <laughs> well, you know, by the way, just on an aside, you know, people, we always, of course, compare the Canadian dollar to the U.S. dollar. But, you know, Austra- and, of course, it's been much more expensive if I want to travel to the U.S. I think that's kind of uh, come home to people. But, yeah, Australia is one of the places that's actually less expensive for Canadians, as is Japan, as is New Zealand. Uh, you know, use, so uh, you might change your travel plans. Well, I'm absolutely thinking of that. Maybe instead of going to Palm Springs uh, this coming winter season, I might go to New Zealand. You know, in in Palm Springs, obviously, the, the local currency is way higher than it was a year ago. New Zealand, it's way lower. And, Mike, if I could give you a shocking fact of yeah. my own, here's something that will just blow your mind. One year ago today, the Canadian dollar was trading at 92 cents. Wow. Now we're at 75 cents. It, it really yeah. has had a tumble this last year. Wow, yeah. And, and I'm proud of the fact, and I'm just going to say this, because we're in the business of being right. And uh, my, my challenge, and, and you participate, and, and so many others, we're trying to guide them through a really tumultuous time. And the number one recommendation we've made is to be in U.S. dollars versus Canadian, to get a good chunk of your money. You've said that to us for several years, Vic. Uh, we made it a big-time sort of announcement, October 2012. And, boy, all you had to do is change some money, put it in uh, U.S. dollars, and stick it under the mattress, and you've been doing pretty well, as you've just chronicled in that way. Uh, let me come to one other trade, because it's, it's important for us in Western Canada, also in Newfoundland, uh, is oil. Uh, you know, last week you said, uh, you know, I like this bounce, but as an opportunity to get short, to play it to go down. You wanted that sort of hop in the price. So just tell me a little bit about that. Did you get a chance to get into the oil market to play it to come back down? Uh, yes, I did. And uh, let, let me, by the way, give a hat tip to uh, our good friend Joseph Schachter, who's been so right on oil. And, uh, you know, Joseph has kind of given me a framework from which to understand oil. And that is we're making tons of it, you know, and we're not using all of that. And there's surplus inventories building up, and that's been the essential problem with oil. That's what's caused oil prices to fall by more than half in the last year. Okay. We had what was making me nervous, though, is I got out of my short position about the middle of August or so, and the market kept going down. I thought, oh, gee whiz, I got out too early, but what can you do? The crude oil market had closed lower for 10 consecutive weeks. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I just can't bring myself to sell it here. It could easily have a Well, we sure did. In five days, the crude oil price bounced 30%. That's a hell of a bounce. I was really glad not to be short in that bounce period. But the correction that we had to this downtrend set up an opportunity for me to start to get short because I think there's a good chance, as does Joseph, that we're going to see new lows ahead as we go into the fall in crude oil. Now, the way I got short instead of just selling it is because this extreme sharp move in the, in the rally up, the correction rally, the option volatilities really exploded. In other words, the premiums that were being charged to buy puts or calls were huge on a historical basis. So I sold out of the money calls on crude oil to establish an initial short position. And again, you're playing the market to go down is the message there. You chose, uh, what, as you say, that you, you chose a way that you could uh, sort of leverage the volatility 
uh, and as you say, it overshot to the upside. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm with you, though. I still think there's way too much supply. We're just about to come into the shoulder season where people aren't driving as much, but they're also not needing to heat at that point. So I see demand falling on that side. So obviously we'll chronicle that. Uh, actually, it might be part of my Goofy Award as a little hint there. Uh, so, okay, so let's talk about going forward, uh, kinds of stuff you're kind of looking at very quickly. Yeah, uh, one of the things I do, and this is what I keep referring to it as the process, what I do is I'm constantly making notes here at my trading desk about what I see in the market, what I think is happening, what I, th- what I anticipate might be happening. Okay, and that kind of gives me a framework to look for trading opportunities. So basically, I'm going to stick with I'm still very bullish of the U.S. dollar against a variety of currencies, especially against commodity currencies, emerging market currencies, and the euro, but not the yen. The yen's beginning to look to me like it's had a huge fall. Maybe there's some political pressure in Asia. Okay, you've fallen far enough. The rest of us need a break, whatever. I, I, don't, want to be sh- I don't want to be short of, of the Japanese yen. Um, and, and I'd also look to add to the trades I've already put on this week. In other words, if the crude oil market starts to fall some more, I want to add to that short position. If the gold market starts to fall some more, I was listening to Stephen Todd agree with him, I want to sell some more, that sort of thing. Well, that's uh, one thing I think I'm very comfortable in saying. As I've said, there's a bull market and volatility. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. In the meantime, go out and have a happy Labor Daily weekend. Hey, thanks, Mike. You too. I'll take a break. I'll come back. I've got a Goofy Award for you. Stay with us. My thanks to Victor Adair. My thanks to Ozzy Jurek. My thanks to Stephen Todd and Robert Levy. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based. That means you get paid first. No fees involved in the tech industry. Check it out further at soleraclub.com. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. Come on, it's too easy to go after the NFL's Roger Goodell for Deflategate. Did you know that that whole Deflategate sag has lasted significantly longer than an entire NFL season? I could go after the media commentators, too, who said that what a disaster Deflategate's been for the NFL because it's taken you know, time in the offseason. Well, that's just nonsense. The Flategate's not going to cost the NFL a single ticket sale, a single TV viewer, or a single merchandise sale. I think it's another example of the media confusing their views for the publics. But I'm not going there. Let's get to today's Goofy Award. And I'm going to the gift that keeps on giving, the federal election campaign. Now, there's going to be lots of opportunity to talk about economics and finance during the remainder of the federal election. So far, what I've heard is wonderfully insulting to your intelligence. I mean, you have to love the whole debate about whether Canada was in a recession in the first half of the year or not. Ooh, recession talk. So cool. People who don't know the first thing about economics couldn't wait to weigh in as if they would give a hot darn about whether we're in a recession or not if we couldn't get some potential political brownie points. No, the federal campaign has already offered up an avalanche of half-baked statistics offered without context designed to mislead you. We've been fed the delusion of an all-powerful prime minister who can wave a magic policy wand and create jobs and economic growth. Now, obviously, then, we're planning to elect somebody who's much smarter than every other leader in the world. 
of any political stripe because no other leader in the world has been able to pull that off. You know, this week we have Mario, uh, Mario Draghi, head of the European Union Central Bank, admitting that after six years of massive intervention, economic growth and job creation in Europe are still on life support. Look at China. All-powerful Chinese government can't stem the tide there. So let's get real. It brings me to this week's Goofy. The Bank of Canada has unequivocally stated that decline in oil prices, which in turn has led to a decline in capital investment, is at the root of Canada's contracting economy, and it was the first five months of the year. Falling oil prices have been the catalyst for two interest rate cuts. But according to opposition leaders, somehow conservatives are to blame for the oil price decline and the accompanying economic fallout. Of course, that's nonsense. No government controls oil prices, including the NDP in Alberta. They can't be criticized for the drop in government revenues there because of falling oil prices. As Finance Minister Joe Sisi correctly stated, his government doesn't control oil prices. Well, that statement's a little uncomfortable for Thomas Mulcair because he's been blaming the Conservatives for the price drop and all the economic ills. So is Justin Trudeau, but you see, he doesn't have a provincial liberal government contradicting him. So it's Mulcair who's got a little egg on his face for the untenable argument that somehow the Alberta NDP isn't at fault for falling oil prices, but the Conservatives are. As I say, that's just part of the regular stuff we get fed. While I'm at it very quickly, let's dispense with one other piece of nonsense, and that's that the Canada put all its collective economic eggs into the oil basket. That's simply not true. Never was. But I hear it incessantly. The oil industry is dominant, yes, in Alberta and Newfoundland, important in Saskatchewan, but that's it. It never was and is not dominant industry in other provinces like the big three, Ontario, Quebec, or B.C., none of which are suffering from the fallout in oil prices. But, as I say, we're going to have a lot more insults to our own collective intelligence offered up before the election on October 19th. In the meantime, go out, visit moneytalks.net, and have a wonderful Labor Day.